What's happening, everybody? Welcome back to Tea Time Reports. Thank you so much for joining us today. Well, not us, just me. Um, yours truly, B. Meyer, is taking the helm on a solo episode for the first time today. And I thought it would be fitting if the first solo episode that I did was on my Chicago Bears. Um, before we get into anything, though, I do just want to give a huge shout out to Trevor and just all the boys from the podcast and the family in general. Um, even shout out to my mom and mom Casey as well. Hope my mom's doing well. And just from just letting me be a guest on my first episode, The Ballad of Brandon Meyer, check that out if you haven't already. And just to let me be a part of it to even now doing my own solo episode. It's just been such a great time so far with so many great people. And I just can't thank them enough for letting me just be a part of it. You know, this has been a dream of mine for the last three or five years to just do or be a part, a part of a podcast in any way, shape, or form. And it's, it's just been a lot of fun, and it's only going to go up from here. But before we get into anything, man, kind of relates to the Bears, but I'm going to touch on the whole list in general. CBS Sports just released a very, very interesting article, and I'm going to bring up the... Uh, reporter as well and I'm going to shade him because he deserves it Mr. Cody Benjamin let me preface though no disrespect you're living my dream my man but your haircut what the fuck is that my man what is that faux hawk buddy what are you doing but whether it's your taste in haircuts or your taste in NFL coaches we have some discussing to do, man. Like, come on. Whether you're a bit... He put Matt Eberflus. This is why I'm frustrated. Matt Eberflus is ranked number 32 on his list of NFL coaches heading into the 2023 season. And let me let me preface this. He, uh, he starts it off by saying this is... He's sort of basing this off which head coach he is, I guess, projecting or thinking is going to have the biggest difference with his strategy his experience, and his leadership. And yes, you can be an offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, assistant coach, and just be a better natural leader than someone who's already in a head coaching position. But in my opinion, man, the reality is, if you haven't actually been on the sideline as a head coach in an NFL game, you should be sort of just defaulted on the bottom of this list. But, you know, maybe that's selfish, who knows? subjective but the fact that Matt Eberflus is number 32 is just absurd what is with that I don't understand I'm not saying he should be anything higher than 30 29 maybe but 32 you're ranking him as the worst coach in the NFL Jonathan Dannon number 31 you have him the new coach for the Cardinals the defensive coordinator from Philly what what is your reasoning even Philly fans are throwing him under the bus, man. I mean, it might just be because they're a little butt hurt that he left, but I mean, I, I don't, I don't think that. I think that front seven kind of just made him, you know. Even if he wasn't there, I might just be slouching him. I don't know too much, granted, but I, I don't know, dude. I think even if there's another guy in that DC role for Philly, that front seven does just as well in that secondary. It has players, but it did have his its issues as well number 30 josh mcdaniels how the fuck is josh mcdaniels not 32 on this list whether it's been with the broncos or now the raiders he's shown nothing but his incompetence to be a head coach in the national football league Uh, 
Yes, the Raiders were a shit show last year, but he was a part of it. There were so many times they just blew leads last year, and that comes down to the coach at the end of the day. And uh, I don't know, man, the fact that he's not 32. And even to get into Eberflus, before we even touch on any further, like, yes, you got to think, and you got to think, it's not his fault he took over the roster. He did. I'll be the first one to tell you the Bears roster is one of the worst, if not the worst, in the NFL last year. And, but the, the, the thing you do have to hold against him is he is a defensive-minded coach. He does come from Andy Worry was the defensive coordinator. And he did kind of shepherd, or not kind of, he did shepherd one of the league's worst defensive units last year. And But to rebut that as well, dude, I'm just going to list off some names. And no disrespect or slouch to any of these players because at the end of the day, they are in the NF fucking fell. NF fucking fell, yes. But Eddie Jackson goes out for the season week 12. Roquan Smith gets traded week 8, which those are discussions for another day. Then you have Elijah Hicks starting as one of your safeties. Nicholas Morrow, who shout out to him last two seasons, 100 tackles plus both seasons. I enjoyed watching him. As your best linebacker, though, he's not going to be the best linebacker on any playoff team. Jack Sanborn was shout-out to him as well. He played his heart out, and I hope he gets some playing time. Undrafted free agent out of Wisconsin. But just the names you have on here, DeAndre Houston Carson, Armin Watts, Travis Gibson, Matthew Adams, Mike Pennell Jr. Like, no coach is really going to succeed with this defense. And Robert Quinn was traded after seven weeks as well. This, like... It had its bright spots, but this was a young defense as well. We had one, two, three. Kyler, let me think. Kyler Gordon, Jack Sanborn, Brisker. We had one or two on the defensive line, if not three. I think another line. We had at least six or seven rookies starting in our defense by week eight, week nine. Like, come on. Cut the guy some slack, bro. And the fact that you're holding that against him so much to put him at 32 is just asinine to me. But I'm going to get into the rest of this list as well because... For a list that, in my opinion, is so easy to not fuck up, I mean, or not get wrong, there's a couple questionable picks in here. Right along with Matt Eberflus and right along, right along with your haircut, Mr. Cody. Um, the fact that Todd Bowles is even as high as 28 is insane. The fact that Todd Bowles is ahead of Arthur Smith Arthur Smith is the best coach, well, not the best coach, uh, Frank Reich is. He's second to Frank Reich as the best coach in the NFC South. He's better than Dennis Smith. He's better than Todd Bowles. The fact that they have Arthur Smith at 29, Todd Bowles at 28, or not they, he, then Dennis Allen at 27, it should be Todd Bowles, no, it should be Dennis Allen, Todd Bowles, then Arthur Smith. Just flip Arthur Smith and Dennis Allen, but Arthur Smith should even be higher than the fact that Robert Sala's at 26, dude, What? Like, look what he did with them. Look what he did with that culture. Look what he did with that defense. And once again, this is no disrespect to any of these coaches. No disrespect to D'Amico Ryans as well. But to have him at 25, really? Like like I said, first-year head coach. You guys already know how I feel about that. I prefaced that earlier in the, vid, in, the in the pod. He should not be 25. Don't get me wrong. I think he's going to be great. That's the perfect to- coach, especially for Houston. But he should not be ahead of Robert Sala. He should not be ahead of Arthur Smith. Um, Shane Steichen at 24? Really? The new offensive coordinator? Or the offensive coordinator from Philly, the new head coach for Indy? 
I mean, don't get me wrong. If you're basing this off of impact, which he is, and you feel like his strategy and leadership in combination with Anthony Richardson is really going to flourish like that. But 24, bro, like I said, these new coaches, first-year coaches, will sort of just be in the bottom tier or just sort of not even in this list. Um, Brandon Staley at 23. Eh, I've, I have my reservations about the guy. Just doesn't get it done when he needs to. And he just has some really bonehead calls or just decision making sometimes then this one is really what honestly upset me the most more than Ibraflus being at 32 Dan Campbell at number 22 are you fucking kidding me he has completely changed and flipped the Detroit Lions organization around a complete 180 and I know this being a Bears fan and I know Trevor will be livid at this as well once he sees this the fact that you have Ron Rivera Kevin Stefanski Mike McCarthy Mike McDaniel, yeah. But even those three, McCarthy, Stefanski, and Rivera all should not be above Dan Campbell. You got me. No, there's no way. Dan Campbell is such a... The impact he has on that locker room and that culture and what he's done for Jared Goff and... Excuse me, just building around him in that city, Motor City, Dan Campbell, bro. Like, come on, MCDC? Like, it's hard not to want to fucking run through a brick wall for that guy. And his whole locker room feels that same way. And that's going to have so much more of an impact than Ron Rivera with the Washington Commanders, who didn't even know his team was fucking playing for playoff contention last year. Don't get me wrong, like, respect to him, shout out to him, cancer survivor, but... Kevin Stefanski... I don't, I don't know, dude. I, I have my reservations about him as well. Mike McCarthy never liked him, but he is a good coach. I still think Dan Campbell will have a better impact than McCarthy will. I love Mike McDaniel. Even at 18, I feel like that's a little low. Kevin O'Connell, you can sort of throw that up in the air. Um, being a Bears fan, I'm, I wasn't too impressed by Kevin O'Connell, but they were, what, 9-1, 10-1 in one-score games last season. Frank Reich, I love. Number 16, good there. Brian Dable, really good coach as well. Number 15, I think that's a good spot. Zach Taylor. Like, the top 15, kind of hard to get wrong. The only thing I would change, I would not have Matt LaFleur at number 11. Uh, he was carried by Aaron Rodgers, and I feel like that is going to show this season. And even with Aaron Rodgers, a two-time MVP, like they could not get it done in the playoffs. He could never get it done. And even just watching the play calling and the decision-making, I would always scratch my head. But don't get me wrong, very good coach. I just don't think he's worth number 11. I think he sort of drops out of the top 15, and Dan Campbell should sort of be up there top 10 you got Doug Peterson, Pete Carroll Sean Payton, Sean McDermott Mike Tomlin, John Harbaugh Sean McVay Bill Belichick, Kyle Shanahan Andy Reid, I mean kind of hit that, can't really get that wrong but there's just like 3 or 4 in here that's really questionable, I wanted to bring that out and just say that's just asinine I don't know where you got that from but who knows, I might be wrong, you're the professional, I'm not like I said, you're living my dream but whether it's your haircut or your outlook on head coaches in the National Football League, something needs to be sort of evaluated here. Um, moving on. Oh, I wanted to let this. I wanted to bring this up about the Bears and this the defense and what Eberflus is going to have at his disposal on the defensive side compared to last year. You remember some of the names I was just listing off. This year is going to be a lot different. Whether it's T.J. Edwards, Demarcus Walker, Tremaine Edmonds. Eddie Jackson will be coming back. Tyreek Stevenson playing on that number two 
um, corner slot, I think is going to be a fucking difference maker. Then rookie picks, Zach Pickens, Javon Dexter Sr., both out of the SEC, and the interior D-line, I think are really going to be formidable. We just really got to address that edge rusher, which we will, I believe. It's just a matter of time. But if this defense is operating and healthy, I think it's going to be significantly better than what it was last year, and that slight that Iberflus sort of has over him is going to go away. Deservedly so. Moving forward, though, I wanted to sort of get some good news out there for Bears fans. We sort of heard from Darnell Mooney. Um, as you know, suffered that really bad ankle, ankle injury against the Jets last year in New York. Um, was out for the season and was interviewed this past week. Came out said he's ready to roll for training camp. And if he had a message for Bears fans, it's get ready to win. And I'm getting ready to fucking win, baby. I'm getting my rally tabs. I'm buckling up. I got my fanny packs. Got my tailgate kit, whatever it is. Got my spatula. Got my Justin Fields jersey, the fucking blanket hanging on the wall next to me, whatever it is, man, I'm ready. I've never felt so good about this Bears team in my life. But it is good to see Darnell Mooney, and boy, does he look ready to go. If you haven't seen the pictures of him already that surfaced over the last week and a half, he is looking like a tank. His new nickname is Darnell Metcalf, just to give you a idea. He looks shredded, man, and... I'm going to die on a hill by saying that Darnell Mooney is a solid number two in this league, and in the right offense could be a number one with another complimentary number two. He is electrifying. He is fun to watch. He can run routes. He can make insane catches. He's not the tallest, which has been sort of a downfall. You've seen it. I've seen it being a Bears fan and watching him over the last couple of years, but I, I've just never understood why he's been so underrated. Everyone just says he can't be that number one. He's not that number one. But look at who's been the quarterback throwing to him and look at the play callers and look at the play calls that he's had. And you would understand what I'm saying. But he's ready to go. There's a lot of um, optimism about it. We sort of knew he would be on the right track. There's been a little bit coming out here and there throughout the offseason, throughout the draft process and during that time. But this is the first we've sort of uh, heard about it, and which is good. You know, we're only, uh, what, two weeks away from training camp. And it's good to have him healthy in time so that way he can start working on that chemistry. And it's already established that DJ Moore is that alpha in this receiving room and in this offense. And like I said, Mooney is that perfect number two. And having him back for training camp to start working in that role is going to be fucking great. Um, then with that being said, we'll transition over to Chase Claypool because, as you guys know, I'm a big Irish fan, and I've been watching Chase Claypool ever since he came to Notre Dame, and boy, was he a fucking beast there. And it translated to his first two seasons with the Pittsburgh Steelers as well. I mean, he was a touchdown machine his first two seasons, and even his rookie season especially. But his first two seasons averaged 867 receiving yards, about 61 catches, so what? 122 receptions and what 1750 yards in two seasons and like 15 plus total touchdowns like come on man he's just a physical specimen and no matter what you want to say about his work ethic off the field stuff whatever it is his maturity if he's going one-on-one on a fly route with the cornerback i'm taking him nine out of ten times and we've seen that here in chicago in recent years with alshon jeffrey brandon marshall you know Allen robinson and I just really hope that he can be one of those for us because he has the same build. He has the same athletic ability, if not more. 
you know. And I just I have that sweet spot for him being an Irish fan. And I've just I've been trying to just like stand on a hill for him over the last year and a half ever since he's had his moments where he's just got corrupted by Juju in the TikTok culture, unfortunately. But I'm starting to lose more and more hope. And I'm I just hope I'm not wrong. But I I think this season it's gonna be interesting to see. I'm gonna be looking at that more than anything else and I honestly do not know what to expect. I, I really don't. It's really hard because as much as I want to say, like, his ceiling is there and he can easily be that number two, just like I feel about Mooney to that Alpha and DJ Moore, I can easily see him just phasing out of this offense and Ryan Poles just sort of washing his hands clean of a mistake, you know, and letting Claypool walk at the end of the season because he is playing for a contract. And it might just be better for Ryan Poles and his team to just say, fuck it, I made a mistake. No GM, that's a thousand, you know. Uh, nobody's perfect, and it will just help us. It'll hurt us more in the short term than it will long term. Or not hurt us, but cost us, you know. We'll just shake our hands clean of him after a year or so, let him walk, rather than just securing him down to a contract and being stuck with him long term or doing anything else, and that would have sort of cost us more in the long term sense. But like I said, there's just so many weapons in this offense, or not even, I guess, weapons if you want to say I'm being too honest or too nice, but just a lot of mouths to feed, you know, whether it's our running back room with Khalil Herbert, Deontay Foreman, Roshan Williams, and just Justin Fields as well. You know he's going to be involved in the run game, and you know that Eberflus and Getsy are going to still rely on the run. You know, we were the number one rushing attack in the league last season. And that's still going to be a big part of our identity. But then you think about it, you also have DJ Moore, who's like we've already established, will be the alpha. He has to get his touches. Darnell Mooney, ready to fucking roll, baby. Darnell Metcalf, I'm sorry, will be getting his touches. Cole Komet just had the best season of his career. Big fan of his as well. Another Notre Dame fighting Irish. I think his ceiling's even higher than Chase Claypool. And I've even said before on the show that I think he's the key to unlocking this offense this season. Um, even with Robert Tanyan as well, Illinois boy, hometown boy. There's a lot of mouths to feed. And how can I forget about Tyler Scott? Tyler Scott is my dark horse in this Bears offense next to Cole Komet. And he even said this past week, bro, like he was going up against Kobe Bryant and Sauce Gardner day in and day out at practice and at Cincinnati. That's going to make you a pretty fucking good wide receiver. You know, and I couldn't be happier that he's in a Bears uniform this year, and I cannot wait to see what he can potentially do for this offense. But I don't know. I'm I'm expecting a kind of just like a wide receiver three year from Chase Claypool. You know, he he'll have those monster fucking plays where you're just like holy fucking shit that we saw from Alshon Jeffrey and Allen Robinson and Brandon Marshall in the past. But he will have his fair share of disappointments or just lack of involvement, uh, if you will. And I think that's just going to be due to DJ Moore and Darnell Mooney just sort of being the main receivers, main weapons receiver-wise. Then also, like I said, you have Cole Komet, Robert Tanyan. They're going to be getting their touches as well then with how much we're going to be running the ball. It's just hard to see him week in and week out. Because even when we had those games and those game plans were, or those game scripts, you know, where we're running the ball more than we're passing it, those times that we are passing it, it's going to be going to Cole Komet. It's going to be going to 
DJ Moore is going to be going to Darnell Mooney, Darnell Metcalf over Chase Claypool, you know. So I'm expecting like a, a very modest, as much as it hurts for me to say this, 40, 50 receptions at the most, maybe five touchdowns and a good five to 600 yards, which, I mean, I'll still take that, you know, because then I'm also expecting Mooney to have a good eight, 900 yards and DJ Moore to crack a thousand. And another 700 from Komet, you know. I think Justin Fields can really push for that 4,000-yard mark this year. And the transition to Fields, um, there hasn't been too much news as of late, obviously. Mandatory OTAs and voluntary OTAs are, are all done and have been wrapped up for a few weeks now. But there's been a story about uh, Braxton Jones, and he came out and just revealed how much of a leader Justin Fields was as far as just in his eyes and to him and his role and his development as a rookie and in that offensive line and all the times where it was getting a little rough and Braxton Jones sort of didn't know what to do and was sort of lost and needed help. Justin Fields was always there, you know, right by his side to help him and give him that encouragement, that help, that advice or whatever it was, you know. And you like to see that, you know, that just is a, a testament to Justin Fields' leadership and that dog in him that he's sort of just continued to show and continued to grow with as more as more as well um ever since he's been with the bears and you like to see that from your quarterback because we really haven't seen that whether it was from Trubisky or jay cutler you know or Wedge grossman we've never seen that and you always want to see that in your quarterback no matter what and we, we always got to show some Justin Fields love, especially I do. I know Caden's a big fan as well, but as long as Justin Fields in the topic of discussion and the Bears are in the topic of discussion, he's going to get some motherfucking love. You know why? Because Justin Fields can throw the motherfucking football. And if you haven't already, go do yourself a favor and educate yourself on Justin Fields and his performance against the seven playoff teams that the Bears did face last year in the 2022 season. Justin Fields is touchdown to interception ratio 11 to 1 in the seven games against playoff teams from last season you know who that was higher than and this is in order the top five trevor lawrence joe burrow justin or justin patrick mahomes josh allen justin fields 11 to 1 touchdown to interception ratio against seven playoff teams from last season Trevor Lawrence was second with seven to one. Joe Burrow was third with five and a half to one. Patrick Mahomes was fourth with four to one. Josh Allen was fifth with three point six seven to one. And they're all considerably better. His is twice as high as everybody but Trevor Lawrence. You know, like I don't I don't know what else more I have to say, what else more I have to show you guys. At this point you're you're just trolling when you say that Justin Fields cannot throw the ball and is not a good quarterback. And I'll just go more in depth with his stats against those playoff teams from 2022 as well. 62.5% completion, which you would like to see a little bit higher, but for Justin Fields' standards, it's impressive. Or promising, if you will. Um, Only 1,000 passing yards, which is 150 per game, but we don't have to already get into what that offense was and what that receiving core and that passing game was last year. Justin, Justin Jefferson alone had more receiving yards individually. I repeat individually than every single wide receiver on the Chicago bears roster last season. But back to Justin Fields stats, 
11 touchdowns and one interception in those seven games against playoff teams. Average seven yards in attempt passing, not the best at all. Um, but still, 103 passer rating, and he added 71 carries, 471 rushing yards, and two touchdowns on the ground. 13 touchdowns, one interception, 103 passer rating, and seven games against playoff teams. It's the proof's in the pudding. It, it, you, there's no way you read that and, and say that, okay, how are you not excited or at least optimistic about this? And Justin Fields, and what can potentially fucking be with this Bears offense, bro? And Darnell Mooney, and DJ Moore, and Cole Komet, and Tyler Scott, and even Roshan Williams, bro. I I love that pick. And I keep, I feel like I keep bumping my desk. This is my first time using this mic as well, so apologies if this has been sort of rattling or bumping throughout the episode. I will get better at this. However, Justin Fields, I think it's just prime for a huge breakout year three. I really do. I mean, the ball's in his court. There's really up to nobody else but him now, and I think he's going to live up to the expectations. I really do. And, you know, the Bears' schedule is not that tough next season. Really, it really isn't. Knock on wood, you know, as far as what the 2022 season and the records from the teams were. And I think, especially the first five games, um, we have Green Bay, Tampa, Kansas City, Denver, and Washington. I believe it's in that order. I might have mixed the order up, but I know those are the first five teams that we are playing. I will be at that Week 2 game in Tampa. It will be Tampa's home opener, and I cannot wait to see Justin Fields just rip that defense a new one and see Baker Mayfield just get picked off by Tyler, Tyler Gordon a couple times. And it's going to be an exciting start to the season. I, I really do think this Bears team will jump out to a 3-2, a and two, maybe a 4-1 and one start. I am worried about that Broncos game. I really am. But other than that, I think we handle Green Bay. I think we handle Tampa. I don't think we're going to beat Kansas City. I, I, I really do want to see a good game, a competitive game. I don't want to get blown out. I think we handle Washington. Denver does worry me because of Sean Payton and Russell Wilson in that combination. But yeah, other than that, I just want to say once again, thank you all for tuning in. Thank you to Trevor and all the boys again for letting me do this and be a part of this and just have the opportunity to be able to do a solo episode and cover my childhood team, you know. And it's been an honor and a pleasure. And once again, thank you for tuning in. Always make sure you check out our socials at Tea Time Reports on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok as well, even Threads. And as always, have a good one.